Welcome to Ice Town Clowns, a podcast that usually reviews every episode of Parks and Recreation. I'm Katie. Grr, arc. Into every generation, an assistant director of Parks and Recreation is born. So welcome to our palate cleanser between season three and four. Um, we do these between every season, just quick little sort of side episodes, usually referencing the things that we get sidetracked on during the course of our regular episodes, and just as a way to talk about a few things that are related to Parks and Rec but aren't specific episodes. And so this time we have decided to talk a little bit about a show that all three of us also love, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yay! Indeed! Uh, so we all have lots of really strong opinions about Buffy and various characters and various things that characters do that we will try not to get um, too bogged down in. Team but Riley. I, I have a 15 minute soliloquy about how Kennedy is the best character in the history of the show. Okay, I, I don't I even know remember for who a that fact is. You don't believe that. <laughs> Do I believe anything I say on this show? Y- yes, but like I know for a fact you don't believe Kennedy is the best. You have I've heard the 15 minute soliloquy to the opposite effect actually. In debate class you learn to argue both sides of a question. Oh, uh, so I admittedly just to see what would come up just typed into Google Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Parks and Recreation and it turns out that an enterprising individual who writes a blog called Femphemera at WordPress wrote... Sounds like a swell dude. Right. Wrote an excellent article about why Parks and Recreation is actually the uh, sort of sequel, not sequel, but just like the natural successor to Buffy on television also i would just like to say if you haven't seen buffy one you should change it and two this episode is probably not going to make any sense for you nor do we remotely have the time to go through and try and explain the references we're making so if you haven't seen it we're super sorry but there is just no way to fit all that in in a way that makes sense i feel like we should talk a little bit about like how we came to like the show because sure i know we we all we all kind of have have stories on that, um, Kirk? Do you want to? Do you want to start us out? I think you're the longest time Buffy fan of the group. Well, because I was of age to watch it when it first aired on the television. Um, it started when I was a sophomore in college. Oh wow! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> and my friends and I were like, "Why are they making a TV show after that? Out of that horrible, horrible movie?" And we watched the first season with a bit of, uh, in fact, (laughs) I didn't watch much of the first season. My friends Nathan and Mitch were much more involved in the show and kind of kept me informed about what was going on um, because, you know, I was off in college in a fraternity. I don't know if we even got the WB uh, in Lawrence, Kansas. (laughs) Fair enough. But as I proceeded through college, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show, took almost as long as a TV show as it took for me to get my undergraduate degree. 
So it was like a, a cheerful companion outside of season six uh, to my educational ways. And, uh, you know, really grew to love the show over time. Uh, started buying the DVD sets when they came out. Uh, the first one was amazing. It like the box unfolded into like a cruciform shape. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty stylish. Uh, but, you know, also watched Angel, which I think we all three agree. Angel is amazing, and we love it, and we're just as dedicated to it as we are Buffy. Uh-huh. Definitely <laughs> didn't stop halfway through season one. Nope, nope, nope. That didn't happen. You'll get happier after the Irish guy dies. I watched that already, actually. Yeah. Spoiler alert. We're just going <laughs> to spoil everything that happens. Like, yeah. just up top. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler, Buffy dies. It's <laughs> true. A couple times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I like, uh, I, I started watching when one of my roommates watched, uh, probably over my objection rather than watching sports that night. And, uh, I thought it sounded really stupid. Uh, and then I watched a couple of episodes and thought it was pretty stupid. And then partway through her watch of season two, it was like, oh, wait, that's actually pretty smart. And then, uh, you know, went back and watched season one and, decided that, yeah, that show actually was pretty good. And uh, uh, it became one of my staples that I have definitely seen multiple times all the way through. Although I've only seen Angel once all the way through because it's not as good, though, worth watching. Some cough, cough, cough. That fourth season or third season of Angel, the one that's like literally just hot potato from writer to writer where the story just goes from four. episode to episode. Yeah, four. That's a lot of fun. It makes absolutely no sense, but it's a lot of fun. And all the Firefly actors show up. (laughs) I'll I'll get there someday. Um, I started watching Buffy. Jacob gets probably 50% of the credit. Um, I had a lot of friends in high school who watched Buffy, and I wasn't allowed to watch the WB just with, like, free (laughs) abandon when the show started because... Dawson's Creek came on the next season, and I was definitely not allowed to watch that. So I I didn't really have access to it until probably it was in its sixth or seventh season, and at that point I I wasn't going back to to catch up, and so I just kind of missed it when it was on the air. But my friends loved it and talked about it a lot, and I had heard that people could take classes about it in college, and then Jacob and I spent a weird winter both unemployed and bumming around Richmond, Virginia together, and he forced me to start watching it, and I was pretty much hooked from there. So. Golly. Golly. Um, okay. Well. So what's the thesis you want to get into, Katie? Okay, so here's here's what uh, Fem Ephemera sort of came up with, which I thought is pretty good when you think about it. So both Buffy and Parks and Rec, they start with a blonde with a calling, right? Buffy, (laughs) Vampire Slayer, Leslie, the Parks Department. Um, You know, they're both only daughters of single mothers. Well. Well, I know. Cough, cough. You know. You're forgetting Leslie's sister that shows up later (laughs) in Parks and Rec, not to spoil it for anybody. Right, exactly. Um, they both have sort of, she calls them like the daddy cool characters, but you know, Ron could be Leslie's watcher in a sense. And he, he could sing as well as Anthony Head. Like, 
Yeah, they both have secret sort of like sexy past lives, or in Ron's case, current life. Um, you know, they have uh, they have best friends who are also. This is a little bit of a stretch, but also strong female characters. This is a stretch. This is a stretch because I don't know that I give Anne strong female character at least no. to <laughs> the extent we've seen no. her, but. She's um, she's a little bit like season one or two Willow, I guess. But yeah. one of the great things about Buffy is its characters actually grow and evolve and don't just caricature over time, right? It is like Willow legitimately goes on a journey in that show in a lot of different ways. And that is what is good about it. And it's kind of what I feel like we've talked a little bit about before that Parks doesn't necessarily get right with Anne. Right. Right. Yep. I, I think I agree with that. Uh, she compares, there's a lover of material things, Tom and Anya, which <laughs> I, is a pairing I liked. Would watch uh, that spinoff. Does that make Definitely. Jerry Xander? So she says Andy is Xander. Um, I think Andy is Oz. Mm. You know the band thing? Oz has a, a goes off and does movies. Oz has a social awareness that I just really into dogs. I mean, you're making good points. I'm not. I'm not going to argue it too hard. Willow would have uh, known she didn't have network connectivity issues, though. It's true. <laughs> yes, it's true. Uh, there's the sulky little sister, April and Dawn. Okay, okay, hang on. We just compared (laughs) April Ludgate to Dawn Summers. Like, no, no, I am done with this. I I am out. I I think your personal feelings might be getting in the way. Okay, wait. I don't don't see how that's an insult. Dawn is awesome in season five and a Uh, couple of episodes in seven. uh, (laughs) I am never on the Dawn train, but... Uh, you Look guys will you, like dressed this up one. In, all, in big sister's clothes. The super sexy brunette with massive foreheads who turned out to be a dick post-sexy times and at the end of season two got sent to hell, a.k.a. the private sector. Like, that's funny. Come on. Yeah. No, I actually had a thing that I wanted to do about the, the, the love interests between Buffy and Leslie Nope. So let's get... Can we get, can yeah. we get into the love interests? Sure, like, let's do it. Let's do it. That was basically the end, so let's do it. Yeah. Okay. No, Cur- seriously. Yeah, so Leslie... Okay, let's start with Buffy. Buffy starts out with, as is said, a brunette who's not nearly as hot as people seem to react to him as being, who wow. seems kind of like a, a, a soulmate, but then ends up not being, kind of becomes a jerk, goes off in their own direction and leaves, Angel and Mark. Then they move on to authority figures who work for the government, Dave and Riley who leave to go off and continue, like, their, like, public safety mission elsewhere. Right. And then they finally end up with thin, pasty, uh, you know, guys with very sort of nerdy-ish in bins and kind Are of cool, nerdy-ish way. Spike, Spike to Ben bin. Wyatt? Oh, I wow. love this. Wow. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Both I love of them this. could use a tan. I mean... <laughs> Okay. Oh, this uh, makes me so happy. <laughs> okay, Katie, can you just describe to the people your love for Spike? Oh, my love for Spike. Um, 
Spike is, well, one, other than Buffy, definitely the best character of the show. Um, also, <laughs> he really loves her, Jacob. He gets who she is. <laughs> All the parts oh, of her. And he really loves her. And, you know, sometimes people and, make mistakes. And sometimes some people would say that forgives anything. Some people would. Some people would say that. Some people might say that he made a mistake and then he went in search of a soul that he got for her as atonement and he came back an even better person slash monster. Some people would say he belongs in jail. Some people could make that argument. You asked me to explain my love for Spike, <laughs> and I don't believe that Spike belongs in jail. Well, Katie doesn't believe Spuffy anybody for, belongs. For, yeah, I mean, right. it's not a it's not like a high bar, but you know, actually, uh, it's a very high bar. Well, yeah, it's a very you're right, high you're bar. Right, very, got confused there. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, Spuffy forever. I'm I'm very much team Spike and and Buffy to Jacob's constant chagrin. It's look. Let's be you're not, clear. You're not, you're not Team Biles. Don't be gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Now it, Joyce and Giles, I'm all about. But. Which you could call Jot Joyles. 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 <laughs> like I, I want it to be clear, as as in most of these shows where Katie and I have discussed, I, like I'm usually Team None of the Above, and that is definitely my position here. Like. It's my position on the Gilmore Girls. It's my position on Buffy. Like, none of the above options. It's, my, it's frankly, my opinion on Veronica Mars, too. God. I don't know, actually, how we're friends about television <laughs> when you say things like that. Um, yeah, Kirk, I really like your analogy, though. I think Thank that you. it's... Uh, you're no! right. They fo- they, you can't deny that they follow a somewhat similar trajectory in terms of you know their their romantic interests hunky sulker to authority figure to basically you know stick thin pale guy right the nerd who truly oh wait i forgot one more thing from this blog post that i thought was genius which is saying that chris traeger and ben wyatt are spike and drusilla (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is well, just entertaining there to you think go. about ben, ben is Spike and Chris Traeger is clearly Drusilla yeah that is that is kind of the one thing look it's hard to compare a main character to a uh, to a side character in terms of who's better but I will rep through Drusilla all day every day as my favorite character yeah. another similarity between Buffy and Parks and Rec is the really uncomfortable underrepresentation of African American people on both shows. True. True. Oh, yeah. we went there. No, I mean, seriously, no, like it's, we have yeah. Donna. Donna's amazing, but not a whole lot of other representation on Parks and Rec. And we get we don't get a non-vampire African American character of note until season seven of right. Buffy. Yeah. It's it's definitely a problem, and, and Buffy has, not that this is any kind of excuse, but Buffy was earlier in time when, um, you know, there wasn't as much discussion about this sort of thing. No excuse for it, but it just, but Parks doesn't even have that to lay out there. I mean, it it's kind of, a, it is a negative against the show, yeah. for sure. Um, I'm trying to... Th- <laughs> So, another thing that I thought was thinking about is that both shows are kind of ahead of their time 
like the sort of humor yeah. that Parks and Recreation has plays better today, I think. You know, that's it's more intelligent, it's more serialized. Um it's it's very much a show for like the mid 2000 teens that started in the late 2000s, whereas Buffy is basically the prototype for all genre dramas yes. ever since. Yeah. Like if you watch the CW's superhero shows, uh, you're watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer because every season has one overarching main villain right. who has a little bad who helps him that features some sort of betrayal and some sort of major turn at episode 7 and 14. Like it, They're basically just replicating the Buffy formula uh, yeah. over and over and over again to great effect because it really works. Now, I have a question about this. Like, I, I don't remember if we've discussed this before. Do you think Buffy would have been in some ways better if it had 13 episode seasons? I think season one is kind of an argument against that. Ooh, interesting. But, like, is it that, that season one is a poorly executed version or a poorly conceived idea? So season one doesn't have the little bad, and it doesn't yep. have the tr- traitor character. Like, most seasons, there's a character yep, who yep, betrays yep, yep. the main characters. You kind of have that in the anointed one, who, you know, I, I, get, I get the feeling that had season one been a full season of Buffy— the master would have actually ended up being the little bad and the anointed one, mm, the big yeah, bad. Maybe. Um, and you kind of had a traitor in Ginny calendar. Was that revealed in season one or is that's, that season two? That's two. Yeah. Cause, Cause I know in season two, that's the Angelus. episode where, uh, where angel hangs out after school to have a chat with her. Um, that's with the whole jealous thing. Oh yeah. 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 I just didn't remember when that was established, but. I think we don't we don't meet Angelus until season two. That's, I know we don't meet Angelus until season two. I didn't know if we we connected Ginny to uh, yeah because no. Ginny does show up about halfway through season one. Yes, yes. But aside from season seven and six, where they kind of lost their edge, I don't feel like any of the Buffy seasons feel particularly flabby, even at twenty two episodes. Yeah, I mean, most of the, our favorite episodes, I think, are the are kind of the one offs, right? It would be a uh, it would be terrible to lose a musical episode or a silent episode or the Eye and Team, Beer Bad, you know, any any of these. <laughs> can't lose that one. <laughs> any the of these. one the one where Riley and Buffy having sex causes monsters oh, to appear at a Halloween party. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're, you're maybe making Jacob's point about those yeah, Look, I think I think sixteen or eighteen probably would like, but I think that's true of just every TV show that's ever existed, right? In twenty two, you're going to have a couple of duds. I don't I don't think there's a single show that's ever existed that didn't have that. But I mean, that kind of big bad little bad thing, right? Like Justified basically did the same thing in a thirteen episode structure. Yeah, generally though, they just kept reusing their little bad, right? It's, yeah, I mean, I, I think Buffy sort of, I mean, it just is what it is, and it's hard to imagine what it would be if you tried to cut it down to, like, a, a Netflix show of today. Because if you look at, like, to Kirk's point, the CW shows and all their superhero shows and, um, you know, iZombie and things like that, they're following the formula, but they're doing 22 episodes, you know? Yeah, so they're fair. having to do the same thing that Buffy does, which is, yes, there's this overarching point, but then each episode has a lot more sort of 
singular storylines to yeah. that episode that that build out the characters a little bit mm-hmm. more, which is why we're so attached to these characters as opposed to on some of the 13 episode shows it's so plot driven sometimes that you don't get as attached yeah and you have fewer characters that you really hone in on right when you have 13 episodes your overarching plot is kind of the a plot in almost every episode where in the buffy seasons the a plot was often the standalone and the continuing plot could be the b plot like half the time right which fair enough Uh, Otherwise, they would have figured out that Ben is Glory much earlier in season five. However, I would say that similarly to Buffy, though, um, they obviously don't have a big bad, but they do have a big goal in in all of the like post season one seasons of Parks and Rec. Right? There's something that's kind of driving the narrative forward. I mean, we had the pit in season one. Yeah, I guess they had the pit, but they didn't actually resolve the pit in season one. No, right? Yeah. Um, but, well, yeah, so Alan Seppenwall writes about Buffy in his book, The Revolution Was Televised, where he kind of breaks down, sort of starting with The Sopranos and HBO and Oz, how television sort of came into its own, starting in around about 2000, even though Buffy started before that. And he talks about how Buffy is really one of the first shows that started this idea that your seasons had a point, you know? I mean, if you go Mm -hmm. back and you watch even comedies, Seinfeld or Friends or things like that, the seasons don't have a point, you know? Each episode They're they're continuing arcs, but they're not building to anything in a lot of the shows, right? Like George's engagement was all season in Seinfeld. It didn't build... It wasn't the driving the story. Right, and so... You know, Buffy and some other shows, but Buffy went a long way in sort of saying that, no, TV is going to have a a point to where if you missed last week, you may not get this week's, you know, and that really changed the way that people consumed television. Um, yeah, and, and, and similarly in the way that Parks and Rec really pushes forward the serialization of comedies. Yeah. Which is, you know, reflected in later comedies, like if you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Nine-Nine! NBC! Thank you, NBC. I forgive you for canceling Star Trek, NBC. Okay, I'm going to have to talk about Fox, but that may not be at this moment. Um, Fox can make it up to us by 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 somehow finding a way <laughs> to bring back the Firefly. Expanse. No, as I say, oh. the Expanse, which also just got canceled, is a great sci-fi show. But no, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is somehow very Brooklyn similar Nine-Nine to Brooklyn Nine-Nine is dead and. Sean Hannity is alive. But it's not. Brooklyn 99's alive. Well, but for Fox's take. Oh. Uh, yeah. Different divisions, man. Completely different divisions. Don't care. Okay. Um anyways, like there's a there are overarching arcs in Brooklyn 99 that are much more prominent in the episodes than they were in Parks and Rec. It's like yeah. a further development of that trend. Yeah, I I agree. Um and I mean I you know, the sort of obvious thing that we haven't even talked about, mostly because it is so obvious, is that both of these shows have this strong female lead, and a lot of the plot, a lot of what's talked about on the show, is the empowerment of women. And it was a lot bigger deal when Buffy did it, just because it was dramatic and newer and a lot of things. 
but it's still sort of the underlying message of a lot of the show, which is why I think most, I would say most fans of Buffy have probably also seen all of Parks and Rec. Not not perfect, but I, I bet it's very close. Uh, I would agree. Yeah, I think that uh, the, the relative audience size probably makes that likely. Um, but yeah, no, like Buffy was a subversion of the blonde female victim right. um, trope from horror movies. And Leslie is a, you know, was started out sort of as a female Michael Scott. Right in the season, first season, like a female version of a of a male character, that they took her in her own direction, which was a big improvement. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so I mean, the first three seasons of Buffy very much are kind of that high school is a horror movie idea. Um, the later seasons kind of go in a different direction, um, but those first three really push that idea. Right. We get a lot of horror movie ideas in kind of one off sci fi type stuff but I mean, there's a lot of horror in the first few seasons yeah i mean the high school is literally a portal to hell in buffy <laughs> yes <laughs> right not subtle yeah yeah the, the metaphors are often very on the nose <laughs> as somebody might say the subtext often becomes well text uh so sh- we should end this with fighting so does everyone want to can you guys list your season order preference? Yeah, okay. sure. sure. Kirk, why don't you start? Why would I start? Because I think you're going to have the controversial one. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Mine's See, controversial. My first and my first flip flips between a couple, you know, from time to time. So I'll start at the bottom. Ooh, with the worst season seven. Boo. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm it's not, not at the not, bottom, but I'm not with you. because not because it's particular like it's it's such a failure because they have such a great villain and the first third of that season is amazing and then all the Slayerettes show up and it's just like wanders around for ten episodes with no narrative drive until suddenly they have to employ some out of work Firefly actors and they finish up the series like I was so disappointed in season seven yeah all right what's next. <clears throat> Season one, which yep. is abbreviated, doesn't fi- kind of fill the, the normal Buffy niche. Um, after that, I guess I'd rank the third. Worst would be six. Boo. Um, which is just grim dark. It's Buffy the Happiness Slayer. I see what they're trying to do, um, but they don't succeed in doing it. And the uh, the the nerds of doom are just not a compelling little bad, and they linger well into the time period that the big bad should have shown up. You're wrong, but, but go on. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, I guess so. Let's see here. That that was three. So the, in the middle there, I'd put season five. It's kind of your stereotypical Buffy season. It has the little bad, the big bad, the traitor who is the big bad. And, you know, that just punch-in-the-gut ending, which is amazing and still makes me cry if I watch it. Um, Mm -hmm. The best series finale they do. Yes. In the third spot, I would put season four, which sometimes fluctuates higher in my lists. Hmm. But Hmm. I like... That was a crazy opinion. 
I like mm-hmm. the initiative. I find them interesting. Uh, I like sort of the contrast of science fiction and horror uh, that is Adam. And I think Professor, Professor Walsh is both a good big bad, excuse me, little bad and a good villain sort of sacrifice character. Uh, I'd say the second best season, I'm going to say season two, um, which is actually quite amazing. Uh, its production quality isn't as good as the actual best season, and uh, it really, really leans hard on Boreanaz's, uh questionable acting abilities. <laughs> what are you talking including, about? Including, <laughs> including sometimes they made him Irish. <laughs> the accent. Yeah. Oh, you haven't even watched Angel, Katie. Oh, it's they get so to, much better. When they get to Angel, it's like, it's in Ireland. It's 500 years ago. Don't do the fucking accent. <laughs> and then the best season, season three, the mayor is incredible. Uh, Faith is amazing. Uh, it has just, you know, the some, some cheesy special effects, but also sort of wraps up the storylines of all these great high school characters, except for Harmony, who lingers around like, you know, herpes well beyond that point. But it's great. It's amazing. And it was such a groundbreaking season that they had to delay the season finale by two months because of the Columbine shooting. Yes. Truth. Yeah. All right, Jacob. So season five is my favorite. I just think it is an extremely well-executed season of Buffy, uh, and it builds to an end that I am glad we get season six and seven, but I think five is the best summation of the series that they do. It was clearly written as a series finale, I think as potentially worth three and one. Um, If you end on season two, I think America's teenagers never recover. Um, but I think three, one and five all were also written as series finales. Um, and I really like it. I like glory. I like the whole thing. Uh, I love the just sheer brass balls it takes to introduce Dawn out of nowhere after fighting Dracula. Uh, it's just great. Uh, I love season six, season six, season six is about a thing we don't do enough of, the kind of malaise that can come post-high school and aimlessness and, you know, or for for a lot of us post-college, but the just not knowing what comes next, having had a mission that was so clear and a path and a way to accomplish that mission every step of the way, everything mapped out for you, and then suddenly it's just all gone. And the structure and the loss and the just... You're suddenly back fighting the villains you fought in high school because you don't know what the hell to do next. It's profound in a way that I find really moving. I agree. Um, I also really like season three. It's just, it's Buffy. Like the show, uh, and then I like season two a lot as well. The show really is two different shows. It's very much about high school in one, two, and three. Four is a failed attempt to make it about college that just falls flat on its face. And then five, six, and seven are this really interesting attempt to analyze kind of what comes after high school or college. Um, uh, So I have uh, seven after two. I really like it um, in some parts. And then just agree with you, it bails at the end. But I think the strengths outweigh the weaknesses. And then I have season one is the second worst season. 
And I just can't stand season four. The lows of season four drag it down for me. There are so many really bad episodes. I'm uncompelled by Riley. I am uncompelled by the initiative. Riley's only really redeeming moments to me come in their breakup, which actually happens in five and is one of the best breakups ever written on TV. I remember watching it with Katie when she watched it for the first time. It's compelling and fascinating and none of that is in four because it's the worst season. But did you see the part where he took his shirt off in four? <laughs> yeah, and that mattered less to me. <laughs> All right. I will uh, try to wrap this up very quickly. My favorite season is six for all the reasons that Jacob said, plus Spike. Um <laughs> Uh, after that is three. Anne is my absolute favorite episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and up there with favorite episode of television ever. Plus Faith, plus the mayor. Season two, also just sort of classic Buffy. Then five, even though I agree that the ending of five is great. I don't love Dawn and unpopular opinion. I don't love Glory. So that puts it down for me. Then one, because it's still... I don't know. I don't hate it as much as everyone else. I don't hate it. Then seven. Well, I hate it, but I just. <laughs> then seven. Um, I like parts of seven. I tend to like the ends of TV shows that people sort of are like, oh, it's it's over. But I still like watching the characters. Like, I love the last couple seasons of Dawson's Creek because I'm a weirdo. Because you're crazy. Right. But anyway, seven. And then four is also my least favorite season. I, I don't love what they try to do with college. I'm not a huge Riley fan um, or a huge Adam fan, but sometimes I intertwine seven and four or exchange them in my listing. I, they're kind of one, seven, and four all kind of could move around for me. So if you're to break them into chunks, like the first third of season seven, I think was just unbelievably fantastic. My problem with UPN's Buffy was that as it progressed, the scope of the show shrank and shrank and shrank until yeah. by the end of season seven, it's just Buffy and a couple of her f- and her friends in a house with all these fucking slayerettes that I don't care about. Right. And we don't like, we never got one last good adventure of just Buffy, Willow, and Xander. And that sort of broke my heart in yeah. season seven. I hear you. Um, you know, similarly, I think I probably rank season four a bit higher than y'all because I was in college when I was watching this show mm, and that a lot of that college stuff really resonated with me. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been our random thoughts about Buffy and kind of how they relate to parks and rec. Um, wait, wait. we've Sorry. got one other great, you know, parallel between Buffy, the vampire slayer and parks and recreation, which they're both set in cities that dynamically shift in population size <laughs> and importance and wait. university. Yes. Is- is Parks and Rec on a Hellmouth? Is uh, is the well, blue the not Hellmouth? I, well, there's a Hellmouth in Cleveland. Would there be another Hellmouth that close? Look, the Cleveland Hellmouth must be enormous. <laughs> Go Warriors! <laughs> um, yeah, good. Good point. Good point. Well, if you want to compare your Buffy season rankings or give us some more. 
character pairings between Parks and Rec and Buffy that we didn't think of while recording this, you can write to us at icetownclowns at gmail.com. You can go over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash icetownclowns. You can tweet at us at icetownclownpod, or you can go to our website, www.icetownclowns.com. So next week, we're going to be back, or excuse me, two weeks from now, we're going to be back with the premiere episode of season four. I'm Leslie Nope. So go check that out on Amazon or iTunes or Hulu or wherever you watch these shows. And uh, while you're out there on the internet watching it, please swing by your podcast store of choice and give us a review. It really helps us go up in the rankings. You've been listening to Ice Town Clowns. Grr, arg! Hey guys, Jerry is the Jonathan of Parks and Rec. Ooh, I love it. <laughs>